Bonjour, I'm Valérie Jardin, the host of Street Focus, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. A special notice before we dive into this week's episode, I'd like to announce and congratulate our two winners of the Trey Ratcliffe Peak Design Everyday Messenger Bag Giveaway. The winner for TWIP Talks Episode 16 is user Rev Tim, and the winner for TWIP Episode 424 is Trig8. See the blog post for this episode for videos of me selecting the lucky winners, and if you happen to be one of those lucky winners, contact us via the Submit a Question page on This Week in Photo. Com. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the Cashfly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with Cashfly and now pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is also brought to you by Lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want. And by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. And Squarespace, start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code TWIP at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Before we dive into this week's show, here's a quick look at what's happening this week on the TWIP Network. First up on The Candid Frame, it's an interview with educator, veteran photojournalist, and street photographer Roderick Lyons. And on TWIP Talks, I have a conversation about equine photography with Gigi Imbrix and Peter DeMott. And on TWIP Family, Jenny is joined by the godfather of photography himself, Mr. Rick Salmon. And over on The Fix, Sean and Jan discuss their favorite iPhone apps. And on TWIP Wedding, this week the guys take a quick look at blogging with special guest Melissa Jill. And finally on Street Focus, it's an exercise in limitations with Martine Rotz. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe for free to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. This is TWIP, episode 428, Paranoia and Natural Selection. They say the only constant in life is change, and the photography industry magnifies that idea by adding the aspect of speed to the mix. This constant, relentless, and rapid change has tanked another company in the industry. This time, it's wedding and portrait stalwart, Pictage. Also, Instagram goes rectangular. You can now share pics and videos on the popular service that are not square. And lastly, DxO Mark gives its highest rating ever to the Sony A7R II. It's Monday, August 31st, 2015, and this is TWIP. All right, Martin and Craig, welcome back to This Week in Photo, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> All right. Glad to be here. All right. All right. This is, the, we've got, I think, one of our more interesting shows uh, this go around with three really compelling stories to talk about you know and i'll be the first to say we don't really we don't have compelling stories a hundred percent of the time on twip sometimes we have to scrape the bottom of the barrel because you know there may not be any show any stories that that uh that cycle but today we have a plethora of stories to talk about the first one is uh pictage so a company i used to work for down in torrance california is shutting its doors and uh, we're reporting this through the slr lounge so basically let me read the blurb to you it says last week pictage announced that it would be shutting down at the end of september uh one big dog in the yard for online printing and proofing pictage's demise began a few years ago yada 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 and then they talk about how um 
you know, some of the issues that Pictage went through and how they decided to kind of retool and reboot, but it was a little bit too late. Um, and when they announced that they would be closing their, their doors, the, customers started scrambling to pull all of their files down off of Pictage and then crash their servers. And then it's just been a comedy of errors since then. And leading up to like with the last episode of TWIP, uh, me reporting that the email that the CEO sent out saying, you know, this is a huge mea culpa for the, uh, the, the mistakes that happened with the files not being accessible and the site being down. And then he went on to say, sayonara site <laughs> site you know, or pictage as an entity is going to be no more so in a lot of ways it's a it's a sign of things to come or you know the current zeitgeist in photography in terms of these sharing services because pictage was a big dog in the industry especially the wedding and portrait industry and now that's changing martin when you saw this what did what did you think is this uh were you did you shed a tear did you think this was you know, it was time for the evolution to kick in or what? What was your, your first thoughts? You know, I, I've never really, I've never used Pictage. I, I'm aware of the service and, you know, they, they, were, they were one of the big, one of the big names for quite a while. Um, but it, it felt like a, you know, reading the story. I mean, I, I've, I've been in Namibia until a couple of days ago, so I've only just seen this story. Um, but it, it, was, it was kind of a Kodak moment. You know, it was... Uh, like a, a a more modern day Kodak moment, yeah. Thinking, yeah. You know, I mean, they, what these big ships take a lot a lot of steering, and it seems that some of them just don't manage to get their hand on the on the wheel quick enough. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, they there's obviously been signs for a long time, and probably been ignored. Probably had some heads in sand, and just hoping that things would get better. And I think that that's. You know, that, that's the kiss of death for a lot of businesses these days. You've got to keep your antenna up and, and notice when things are going the wrong way and, and take preventative action. It seems as though Pictage didn't do that. Um, and it's a shame, you know, the, there's, there, there was obviously a lot of, a lot of uh, talent there initially. I'm not sure what's happened over the few. I mean, obviously, if you were there, there was a lot of talent there initially. But, right um, up until I left. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. There is a ton of really smart, uh, talented people working at that company and passionate. And a lot of them I know stayed there to the very end, you know, like a really talented musician on the on the deck of the Titanic playing music. And, mm. you know, at some point you either got to pull that ripcord and or jump in a lifeboat for whatever metaphor you want to pick or or mm-hmm. accept what's coming, you know, because there's an iceberg up there. I don't know. It's it's an interesting dynamic. Craig, wh- what about you? You're I wouldn't put you in the class of portrait photography. You're more high-end fashion conceptual. Right. But did this touch you at all? Well, it, it didn't affect me. I mean, I don't I don't use Pictage. Um, I, you know, it is interesting that they were the, you know, the top dog, the number one for many years. And I, I noticed at this last WPPI, that about a third of the booths were competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody was jumping in, you know, is, is doing this now. And a lot of them had uh, some better services, right? Better features, more more features, you know, less price, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they just weren't responding to that competition. They were they were just, as he said, a big ship and it's hard to turn and, and weren't responding to the market needs the way these smaller, nimbler guys were. 
Yeah. Yeah. Death by a thousand cuts. Right. I mean, because you there's tons of services like out, out there. Like I use one called Pixie Set, which is cool. Um, you know, of course, obviously there's Smug Mug. And I would say that Pictage in a lot of ways got Smug Mugged. Right. Because you, when you think of wedding and portrait and and online proofing, the first company that comes to my mind is is Smug Mug, not Pictage. You know, maybe it was Pictage like five years ago or 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 more. But today it's Smug Mug. And then you think of like the fine art sharing, like stuff you're doing, Craig. And the first company that comes to mind is 500 PX, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, but in both of those scenarios, the first company that comes to mind is not, is not Pictage or was not Pictage. So, I mean, oh, Craig, continue with you. And I, I like to do this. If playing armchair quarterback, you're, you get appointed or you like a year ago, two years ago, you were appointed CEO of Pictage and you're like, Craig, you know, Mr. Colvin, we need you to save this company. What do we need? What do we need to do? You know, we got X number hundred employees. We got thousands of customers that are relying on us. There's, there's, there's sharks in the water with the 500 PXs, the flickers, the smug mugs, et cetera. What do we do? What do you, what do you say? Well, so uh, I'm going to back up just a minute. One of the things they said, the reason, well, they announced this back uh, in the spring, uh, that people weren't buying prints anymore, that mm-hmm. they, they were seeing a very sharp drop off in that. And that was how they were funding their business model was basically by uh, their fees they did associated with prints. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would it would have to be, you know, moving away from that print model and, and coming up with some other some additional services that you could charge your customers for to recoup that lost revenue you're losing in the prints. And they tried to do that, Craig. They, they acquired a couple of companies that, that were kind of diversifying their portfolio, you know, some backend business services and, 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 uh, album layout and design services. They were still, they were still relying on that, that print revenue. They were, they didn't adjust their prices. There were a lot of places that could print a lot cheaper. Uh, and at the same quality as they could and do. And they had, you know, the album services and the retouching services uh, could all be done by other people and other people were doing it much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think they, because that was declining, you need to get away from that and offer some other service. I don't know exactly what what that could have been, uh, you know, but go out and, and uh, talk to your customers and figure out, you know. Take the best features from all of these, you know, Zenfolio, SmugMug, 500px, and try to implement all of those. Uh, yeah, they yeah. they were just too stagnant. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, uh, Martin, what about you, armchair quarterback? What what would you change? You're standing in front of the board, and they're looking at you with teary mm-hmm. eyes. What would you What would you tell them? <laughs> you, you know, I I'm not sure that I think that. That what Craig's just said, you know, is is a typical example of of what they were doing with their heads in the sand because people are buying prints; they just weren't buying them from Pictage. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. you know, they they saw the print sales dropping off, and assumed people weren't buying prints. They are. People are buying prints. I don't know statistically. Maybe it's dropping as a as an industry, but. What I think they needed to do was to just get more innovative. I mean, there are companies like Artisan State making flush mount albums. You can get these albums from a company called Artisan State, and when you open them up, they lay totally flat. There's no seam in the in like the spine of the book. Yeah. Um, a beautiful paper that they're using. That 
it's it's not so much i mean if one of their big things was was print then figure out how to how to get people buying from you again that is probably a a, a big thing to do but of course yeah i mean as craig said that there's a lot of other stuff that they probably could have done um just to to bring themselves up to 2015 or you know probably hopefully 2016 17 yeah. and just just really innovate i think people want to see new cool stuff these days rather than just trying to cling on to what you were doing um That's you know right. if as a company if if you're doing something that isn't working you have to figure out how to either make it work or find something else um and it's like seth godin always says you you don't want to be relying on one specific product you know if if print sales is your is your center pole then you at least need a few other poles or stakes in the ground to help make sure that that center pole doesn't fall over. And they, it seems as though they weren't really doing that. Um, but I, I honestly, I mean, I think that the, another big part of it, and I, I'm, I'm just, this is just conjecture, but I personally don't like keeping my images in, on, on, in online services, you know, that, and I think that that's a trend that's happening quite a lot. People will put their images on, you know, places like SmugMug, they're doing well, but I mean, you, you see by the fact that their servers are going down as people try to get their images out there. If I was using a service like that, uh, that could go down, I wouldn't need to rush and try and get my images out because it would only be a backup. You know, if it went down, I would just say, okay, well, fine. You know, take my, my images can just be deleted because I've got three, three, four of the copies here, here, and here. You know, if, if your only copy is, is a service like that and you have to scramble to get it out, that's put it, putting you as a business owner or even a, a hobbyist in a very vulnerable position. So, you know, it's like I, the stock market, right? That's like right. Putting, yeah. putting all your money in one stock and then getting upset exactly. when that stock crashes, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was I was so really surprised by that, by how many people right are having to go download their images because right. that's the only copy of them. That, that just yeah. shocked me. Yeah, yeah, strange. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Yeah, and the other pieces, you know, I saw what was it? I forget what company it was. It was a printer manufacturer. It started this campaign, this ad campaign. I think it's currently running right now where they were basically railing against Facebook and storing your images online. And the gist of the ad that they ran that I saw was uh, this, it was a mom and her kid who she was talking to her second kid. You know, the other kid had been grown a little bit. And you see this, Craig? And she's like, yeah, yeah, old Johnny or whatever the kid's name was. Yeah, he was around before Facebook. That's why we have pictures all over the house of Johnny. You were born after Facebook. All your pictures are online. (laughs) And she she gets upset and starts wrecking the house. I mean, there's some truth to that. I mean, Craig, right? There's some truth to that. Um, Well, there was an article just this past week in the local paper about um, what happens after you die. And a lot of these Facebook, Google and all that their their default is just to delete your account right mm. um so you your uh your heirs can't get those photos and can't uh yeah they, can't they go them. with you yeah they go with you right uh you have to get a co- court order in order for them to hand them over and uh so it it's a it's a problem you know archivists have been talking about it's a problem that you know all the photos are online and we're losing a lot of them right prints mm. Prints last hundreds of years, or can, right? And uh, the, the digital is very, can be very fleeting and very hard yeah. to capture. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the answer, much like we say a lot on this show, is not binary. It's not one or the other. It's 
a happy medium of both, right? Martin, you're going to back up your photos, but you can also put them online in these cool services, but don't have all your eggs in one basket. Mm. You can print, but you can also share them online with people so you can have the physical, you know, and enjoy the actual print and dead tree based product, but also mm. the pixel based product as well. So there's no, there's no ors in photography for the most part. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I mean, you know, um, it's sad news to hear when any big entity in the photography industry goes down, you know, Pictage, especially with the, the the impact it's having on their legions of customers who are now, I would assume, scrambling to find their next thing. Much like, you know, when Aperture was was announced that it was going away, those folks started scrambling to find out what the next digital asset management software is. So advice, uh, Martin, to the folks that are that may have successfully gotten their images off of Pictage's servers and they're thinking, okay, what now? Where should I go? Do you have any any suggestions for those folks? Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it seems natural, maybe not exactly advice, but don't make those services your only backup. If you're, if you're in a position where you need to scramble to get it down, then you're, you've made a, a, a bad decision in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You need everything local. You, there's no, once, once your images are out of your area of control you've you've literally you know those services could go down there's no saying that pictage are even going to get their servers back up they're obviously in a lot of a lot of trouble at the moment come september 27 they could just close the doors and and leave so it's really dangerous to have your images in places like that and i mean for me for example i'm traveling in namibia the other uh, over the last almost three weeks by the time i went to dinner each night um, or to the campfire or whatever. <laughs> I'd, I'd, uh, I Actually, when we were at the camp, I only did it on the first night because my batteries all went. But um, I'd got three backups of all of my images by the time I go to dinner. And then the moment I get home, I come up here to my studio and plug my hard drive in, which I've got like three backups of on the road, plug the main one into my computer, transfer everything to my Drobo and that automatically from that point, that's my fourth backup right there. But then that, as soon as it hits my Drobo, it starts to go into Backblaze. Um, you know, Backblaze, it's a big company. They're not, they're not going away. But even if they did, it's only a one off-site backup. And I, yeah. I mean, for example, I'm paranoid. I mean, I even did a, I did a podcast on this called, um, I think it was Backing Up on the Road, and, uh, an exercise in paranoia, I called it. Um, but you know, par- the paran- paranoid people generally tend to keep their files longer. Um, yeah. So you know, just just make sure that you've got things in the cloud, um, in various places. And I actually even every so often I'll take I use you know how your hard drives get they double in size and half in price every th- few years Moore's law and all of that. So yeah. I just take these old two terabyte old two terabyte drives <laughs> that have come out of my Drobos. And fill them full of my old image archives. And what that and whenever I go to the UK, I take a stack of them to my brother's house and store them in his in his loft space. You know, just just for the hell of it. You know, those yeah. drives are going to go to go to waste any other way. So try to get something off site. But then at least if your house burns down, floods, uh, earthquake, whatever, then you can go to your hopefully somewhere else, either in the cloud, wherever, and get them, your images back. But yeah. I really don't recommend um, making services like Pictage your your main backup. It's that it's that peace of mind, right? I mean, you you say you know paranoia you know fuels this stuff. I would I would go further with that by saying 
you know, paranoia fuels natural selection. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's right. And, yeah. and without paranoia, you know, it's like, you know, the cavemen see a, a bush shaking. Are you going to be paranoid and still go up to the bush yeah. or, or and not go up to the bush? You're going to be par- or, or accept it and go see what the, why the bush is shaking only to learn <laughs> there's a lion in there, you yeah. know? So paranoia <laughs> is is the uh is the fuel for natural selection it's part of our dna so we need part of our dna you know embrace paranoia especially as a (laughs) photographer with irreplaceable photos that you're never going to get back again if something happens Mm -hmm. craig what about you ports of entry for the refugees Uh, well so it depends Uh, if if you were using it to, to provide proofs to your customers and let them select images and and do prints um i would probably recommend zenfolio or smugmug uh, because mm-hmm. they both offer that service and uh, are, are some very good options for people to uh, browse it and make purchases right there. Uh, they're also the, they take a smaller percentage of the print sales than Pictage does as well, so you make a little more money perhaps. Yeah. Um, if it's just uh, displaying the images uh, and you don't really need the the sales off of it, um, there's a lot more options. Um, I mean, you could even use you know Flickr, 500px. Uh, there's this. I've heard. I haven't. I haven't used it, but I've heard CloudSpot is a, a interesting CloudSpot. I haven't heard CloudSpot. Um, it's kind of the up and coming one that uh, I've heard. Several people I know have, have moved over to that and really seem to like it. CloudSpot. Making a note. Hmm. There's always something new, man. It's like yep. fishing in the ocean. And, and it's a. It's a image proofing and delivery uh, service. Uh, so a lot like what Pictage was doing. So they will. They will do the retouching for you and organization and all that for like you have a wedding or an event you just dump your photos there and they will they'll do as much as you need to have done um cool and then provide it to your your customers excellent all right well great great discussion we'll keep an eye on pictage at least through the 27th when they're you know scheduled to uh to go offline permanently i'm surprised uh, how quickly that's happening you, you, yeah. you mentioned aperture, right? People have a year to get, you know, make make plans. Here, they're having what three, four weeks. Yeah, yeah, which is sad. Three, four weeks of spotty server access to, right. you know, to get terabytes of images down. Scary, scary. Follow Martin's advice. Keep everything local and use the cloud as a tertiary solution for <laughs> restoring your photos. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, coming up after the break, we're going to discuss Instagram recent upgrade update. And maybe it's an upgrade, but the recent update, which finally drops the requirement for photos and videos to be square. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now, lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule. 
And courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish, or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com slash twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash twip. All right, guys, let's jump into story number two. Instagram is thinking outside the square. This story comes to us from our friends at TechCrunch. So, in it, it, you know, the gist of this, it's obvious what we're going to talk about here. So Instagram is dropping the requirement for photos and images to be square. And I know a lot of photographers have even adjusted their, quote, look to square because of Instagram's popularity. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to start shooting square stuff <laughs> because because, you know, it looks best on Instagram. And why chop off the left and right side of your frame to get the look? Why not compose it that way? Now they don't have to. Craig. When you saw this story, were you like, hallelujah, or you were you one of the photographers that decided to shoot square? Uh, well, a little of both. I don't use Instagram a lot. Uh, I've, I've started more so in the past uh, five or six months. And I tend to just take iPhone photos and put them to Instagram. So I set my iPhone to shoot in square, right? You can do that with your camera app in iPhone. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of the options, right? You can do panorama, square. So I've been doing that just because of Instagram. Um, but a lot of things I didn't post because, right, it just didn't look good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's more important for the videos than uh, for the for the photos. But I, mm-hmm. I think it's great that they're they're finally doing this. Yeah, no, I totally agree. For me, because I'm experimenting a lot with cinemagraphs and, you know, kind of, those kind that kind of genre of image making and yeah it's cool you can do some cool stuff in square but you know you can't force fit everything everything doesn't fit into the box i'm just saying martin what do you think i mean are you are you happy for this change or are you like ah the magic of instagram was the the equidistant or uniform square box and this is never going to fly what do you think well, I've got to admit, I've never thought it's hip to be square. It's like <laughs> I, I, one of the reasons I resisted Instagram was because of the square. Um, you know, I think it's it's a nice format, and I'm I'm enjoying the square format with my Yashka medium format camera. But it's uh, it I just don't like being pigeonholed or you know forced to do something. And I'm one of this five one in five people that just adds the big white border, and it looks horrible. Yeah. You yeah, know, once, once that image goes out of Instagram and, you know, out of their um, their interface, like I, I set them so that the images go to Facebook and Twitter as well, you know, linked to Instagram, and they look horrible. Um, so I'm sitting here this morning looking at the show notes thinking, yes, uh, <laughs> finally, you don't have to be pigeonholed. A lot of people are saying that right now, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I know photographers that have that have shot square and, uh, and you know, even started to really – even with their DSLRs or their you know mirrorless cameras, actually shooting square, and I think if it works for you, then it, then that's great. Uh, you know, it is a nice aesthetic. But if it doesn't, then it's great now to be able to. And as Craig said, especially for video, video to me just doesn't work square. It, it's never been square. 
you know, yeah. photos. Well, video was an addition, right? So Instagram right. started as pure photography right. and then they grafted on video to let you do that. So, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was by design in the beginning. It was more of a necessity to keep the aesthetic and the look and feel of the square Instagram post. Yeah. And they, they even went on to say that. So, um, the story that, you know, that they're talking about in TechCrunch to say, they say the story they've heard that the reason that Instagram's founders chose Square was because it looked beautiful and it looked really, quote, really nice in the feed that they were mocking up. So and this came from Ashley Yuki, the Instagram product manager. So can you imagine? So for millions of professional photographers out there that use Instagram, you know, professionals and, and non-pros and kids and everybody, they're using Instagram. A product manager <laughs> at Instagram said, you know what? That looks cool. I yeah. think we'll go with that, you know, <laughs> instead of this with no kind of, I mean, I'm imagining there was not a whole lot of user research or thought that it went just, into it this. It just looks cool, right? It, look, it yeah. looks cool. It looks cooler square. And I like square. So make it square for the world. It reminds you know? me of that Christmas ham story about the lady who always, she would cut the, the ends of the ham off the before she would cook it. And her daughter goes, why do you do this? She goes, I don't know. My mom always did it. And they go to the mom and she goes, well, my mom always did it. And so they go to the grandmother and she goes, she reaches, go in the cabinet and pulls out a pan and says, see this pan, it won't fit a full size ham. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just did it. They, they chose it because it looked cool and it just stuck and they've been doing it yeah. ever since. Right. So yeah, it's glad they got a bigger pan. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, I'm glad they got a bigger pan too. And it's a uh, it's high time for this change. And I think, I don't know, I mean, do you guys think well, right now I'm hearing from specifically in the fashion industry, a lot of photographers and models are they Instagram is their first their first place that they go you know, and Facebook is secondary. If they even go to Facebook, it's all about Instagram these days. And a lot of the complaints have been about the square format. And now that they're doing away with that, do you think it's time for Instagram to kind of explode even further than it already has? Craig, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I'm going to start using it more as a result. So, yeah, see? Uh, and I have, you know, it sounds like Martin will as well. So I believe, yeah. yes, it's going to, it's going to attract a lot more, people to it or people that have been hesitant to use it in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I agree. I yeah. Mean, I'm, I'm yeah, going to use know it more as well. Photographers have gotten so used to the square. Now they're going to not going to go back, but it, it still gives you the option to do square. Right. Yeah. So it'll yeah. Be you know, yeah. there's the thing that gets me that's really f seems strange. I mean, based on that, that uh, product manager or, you know, the marketing, the guy that decided to make it square, I mean, even 500px um, and most other, my portfolios that I have on my website, they display a grid of square images, but mm -hmm. it's just how they're displayed in the grid and you don't have to crop them to do that. So it sounds, it almost sounds like the initial decision was based on just like lazy development. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to badmouth Instagram because they, you know, they, it is a good service. I'm using it myself, but you know, if that was the reason, then just just code it so that people can still put their images on there and make a square grid. Just crop the sides off when you're showing the grid view, and then when people click on it, you show the full full aspect ratio. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's not hard to do coding wise to to display a square grid, but still keep the edges or the tops. I think it, it just might be a simple function of function following form. Right. Mm. So like we said, it looks great. That's the way it's going to be. And we want to make a gorgeous product and the, the operation and the functionality of said product can 
kind of fall by the wayside. Right. But, have, you know, have you played with the new version? And, and I have not. Landscape? I have not. I will. I will tonight, though. Because I, I, you know, when you mentioned the grid view, I wonder if they will show it square there. But when you click on it, if it goes to portrait, if they're going to try to show, you know, portrait mode in the grid view. So I, we, uh, we shall see. We shall see. And I, for one, you know, speaking of those, fo- those folks that are using or making Instagram their first stop, I'm beginning to do that as well. You know, and be- I guess part of it is that I have a disdain for Facebook. And <laughs> it's growing increasingly strong over the years. Maybe it's me getting older and more curmudgeonly. But Facebook and me, you know, I'm, yeah, Craig's shaking his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Instagram seems to fit me more. It seems to fit me better than than Facebook because I go on Facebook honestly, and I just feel like there's just I feel like I'm in a city of just stuff flying around that I don't care about, and I'm I don't know if somebody's pickpocketing me or not, and you know, I, I feel I feel under duress on Facebook. On Instagram, I feel much more in control and much more zen. I don't know why, you know, even though they're owned by the same company, but I feel much more zen on uh, on Instagram. Martin, do you feel zen on Instagram? Or are you are you more of a big city Facebook guy? Uh, I've I've never really liked Facebook. I'm I'm there for um, you know there I'm I'm there really because a lot of people that I want to interact with are there, but yeah, I don't necessarily exactly. like the system. You know, and some people I know own, I can only communicate with them on Facebook. So you know I'll use it, but it's not because I like Facebook. It's just it's like you know a telephone. I'll pick up a telephone to to call someone if I need to, but if they've got um if they've got like an iPhone with the messenger, I'd rather text them half the time because then you can reply at your own pace. I'll yeah. use, I'll use the, the, the medium that allows me to connect with the people that I want to connect with. Um, and, but definitely, I mean, David Dushman dragged me into Instagram in, in January. Um, he dragged me in there sort of kicking and screaming because to <laughs> me, it was another, another network that I've got to try and find time for. But honestly, I mean, once I was in there, it, yeah, I get the Zen thing. It, it's it feels, and and like any social network or social network type service that that I use, I, I at the end of the day, I use it on my own terms. If I'm sitting there, I've got half an hour on the sofa when I'm start twiddling my thumbs, and I think, okay, uh, what can I do? And then I'll just go to my iPhone. I've got all of my images synced to my iPhone, and I'll just pick a handful and throw them up there, and and then take a look around, see what other people are posting. But yeah. it's it's on my own terms. I'm I've never been one for trying to sort of commit a certain amount of time or commit all my time to that kind of network. I'm I've got my my main work and is is most important. And most of the time the social side just fits in the gaps when there's nothing it's to do. Secondary. Yeah. And there's like you said, there's a ton of them out there. Like one that I've been experimenting with lately um, has been Periscope. Have you guys seen that? Uh, and we, we talked about on t- uh, this on Twip like six months ago when they when they first launched, and that's a uh, Periscope either was acquired by Twitter, I don't recall, uh, recall, but they're a Twitter company where you can live stream video out to your followers and they can comment live and it kind of pops up over the the video feed and they can tap the screen and heart if they like what you're talking about and that sort of thing. And it has that that Snapchat esque. Uh, it goes away after 24 hours thing too. So it has that that level of immediacy. It's interesting. I've, I'm seeing a lot of photographers experiment with services like that. Jeremy Cowart, for example, has been uh, has been pretty prolific on uh, on Periscope recently. And I'll say, you know, a lot of photographers, not Jeremy, but I see a lot of photographers on there. 
uh, you know, it's it's a tool like any other. But a lot of people are oversharing, <laughs> just like they do. <laughs> like, do I really care what you're eating now that you could now instead of a tweet of what you're eating, I get video and audio <laughs> of what you're eating. You know. <laughs> Like, do we really need that? So it's it's in its infancy. So we're, you know, obviously all these things, we're going to see what people do with it. I'm, I Again, back to the Instagram thing. I'm excited that they're uh, that they're making these changes and continuing to innovate or yeah. or at least evolve, you know, the service yeah. that they're, they're putting out there. That's good yep, stuff. That's great. Yep. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. After this break, we're going to discuss DxO and how they rated the Sony a7R2 as the best sensor they've ever seen. If you haven't checked out Squarespace lately, you really should pop over to squarespace.com and have a look. The templates they use are stunning and completely remove the need to do any coding or maintenance. And if you want, you can customize these templates to meet your particular aesthetic. The sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't need any coding skill or any magic like that. Their intuitive tools are easy to use. Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering the site to make sure that it's secure and stable. And also, it's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world are using Squarespace. Plans start at $8 a month and you can even get a free domain if you sign up for a year. You can start your free trial today with no credit card required over at squarespace.com. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code TWIP to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, guys, jumping into story number three, DxO Mark rates the sensor in the Sony a7R2 as the best sensor that they've ever seen. This comes to us from Petapixel, and, you know, that headline says it all. It, it has, that sensor has received the highest overall quality score ever, arrived, oh, ever awarded by the DxO Mark testing lab. So they gave that sensor in the a7r2 a score of 98 setting a new mark and taking the crown away from the nikon d810 which has a score of 97 so this is some crazy stuff so well first of all when i look at this and craig i want to have you chime in on this both of you guys when i look at this i'm like okay dxo i'm not calling the 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 validity of their testing into question because i'm sure it's bulletproof and they've got guys in white lab coats and gear and sensors and all this stuff to arrive at this number but i still don't know what's behind the curtain to get to these numbers right so when i look at it i kind of think of it like you know you go to the gas pump and it says hey this gasoline now with tecron you know so it's <laughs> like wow i should buy the stuff that has tecron in it you yeah. having no idea what the heck tecron is right so craig what do you think i mean when you see a dxo mark well, for something yeah, to make you little, want to buy it. I think it? it's a little different than than uh, the Tecron thing because that's just a marketing buzzword. You know, it's uh, yeah. like Corinthian leather was right, a word that <laughs> Ricardo Multibon just made up during the commercial, right? It, it had never existed before, and now mm-hmm. they sell Corinthian leather. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are actually doing testing, right? There is a scientific method to this, and so it yes. is qualitative. Yeah, they have uh, so, labs. They have right, full-on yeah. labs and testing facilities and all so that. So if they, you know, if they're saying it's the best ever, then you know, in their test, the the suite of tests they have, it happens to be the best ever. Uh, and but a lot of it, it doesn't. I don't know that it matters that much. That you know, it's three points. What or you know, one, well, one point above the the, the Nikon D eight ten and yeah. Uh, it, 
at, at that level, it's nothing that we're really going to see, uh, I don't think. Um, right, the sort of things they do are they test color depth, uh, dynamic range for landscape, you know, a low light ISO in a sports environment. And mm -hmm. we're talking about an ISO difference of like, you know, 2850 versus 2900. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's not a big difference. And uh, but it's that difference between if you're that guy that needs the absolute best of the best. So when you're on well, that photo walk, you can say my camera's better than yours. You need this. One. Exactly. Well, <laughs> uh, right. For if if you have to have the absolute best, then yes, it is. Uh, you know, you, this shows which one's the absolute best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting. Martin, what about you? DxO Mark scores, Tecron, fine Corinthian leather. What do you, what do you think? Um, I, I've never heard of Corinthian leather, but I want some already. It's like, yeah, you clad me in that stuff. Um, it's got to be good with that many syllables. Absolutely. It's almost like kryptonite. It's, so, um, you know, I, I, yeah, DxO, have they've got a very rigid testing uh, procedure that you know so i i trust their numbers but i think that there's so much more to selecting a camera than the than the one that's got the highest score um you know i mean i i was i was on this show just as the the sony was was announced and i was excited by it but you know then but at that time i was already excited by the fact that canon had just delivered a couple of lenses that i'd been waiting for for a while yeah. Um, and then the 5D comes out. I've never been happier with my Canon gear. And, it, and I know that people are sitting, all of the mirrorless crowd are sitting there thinking, <laughs> you know, but, but you know what? I, if you're happy with your gear, you don't have to necessarily chase the next best thing. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm ending up, I'm not going to get a Sony. I really am happy with the 5DSs. Um, and I, I've, I just, I don't think, even though I'm interested in mirrorless for the fact that it's going to allow me to downsize at some point, it's not going to allow me to downsize for my wildlife photography anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's one of those things that I'm, I'm looking at and with, with interest. Um, but even with this score, it doesn't make me want to go and buy one anymore because I'm happy with what I've got. Um, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. There's a lot of people out there, especially when something new comes along, like a 50 megapixel camera. And I mean, there's so many people have emailed me trying to pigeonhole the 5DSs saying, oh, yeah, I'm sure you're really happy with it as a landscape camera. So, <laughs> OK, I've just got back from from Namibia and I've been shooting wildlife with it. It's not the best wildlife camera, but I would prefer a 50 megapixel file that I can do a lot more with and miss a few frames than get every frame of something at 18 megapixels with my 1DS, which I've yeah. so, you know, sold already anyway. But I, you know, there, there's just so much more to, to the best camera for you, for each individual than the score that they get here. But that's absolutely right. That, yeah. It is impressive. And it's, you know, I mean, Sony are, Sony are doing some great stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to knock them in any way. Um, it's a great camera. If it fits you and your workflow and whatever, then you can be even more happy because it's got a great score. But that shouldn't yeah. be the reason really why you're buying the camera. I mean, I think of a world without Sony. I mean, Sony had, yeah, obviously has their flaws, you know, A-Track, all this. You know, you could go back in time and yeah. talk about all the, all the, all the flaws and, and missteps that Sony has made. But looking at specifically their digital imaging group, 
and what those folks have been doing over the last couple of years, hmm. they're leading the industry in many ways, especially in the full frame and the low light sensitivity for sensors. And now with this DxO score, hmm. the, I can't imagine where the industry would be right now without a Sony innovating the way they do. You know, I mean, we've got the Panasonics, we've got Olympus, we've got Fuji doing their thing and Sony on this side catering to the folks that need the full frame you know, and all that data and that low light performance. Imagine if you subtract Sony out of the mix and what the industry looks like, because then you have for the, on the full frame side, you have the Nikons and the Canons, Martin, no offense, but you have the Nikon and the Canons out there who frankly aren't innovating that much. I mean, like this, this stuff is exciting coming out of mm. Sony and mm. it gets us excited, makes us want to pull out that credit card. Not a whole lot on the other side. That's like, wow. You know, you don't hear wow a lot as attributed to many other camera companies lately. Craig, what do you think? Well, I, hopefully, that you know, this pushes Canon and Nikon, right? They have been, they're the big We've been ships, saying that for right? three years, Craig. I We've know. been saying that for three years. Well, they're, hopefully, they're the big ship. Like, you know, it's always uh, the next Photo Plus Expo, next Photo Plus Expo. We know I, I they're going to come I out with something. it's going to be further out than that. They, they've been doing incremental changes and, and not revolutionary changes, which the Sony, they have been, they're, right? It's, it's great that they're doing this innovation. Uh, and if yeah. it's not pushing them, it's pushing the other mirrorless guys, yeah. uh, right? Uh, the the Lumix, the the yeah. Fujis, the Olympus, right? Um, the anytime somebody is is leading the way in a, in an innovation like this, it's going to just raise everybody, mm-hmm. and and yeah. we're going to have you know gear we can't even imagine you know a couple of years from now. I know it's it's crazy. Every time I look at something like this, and I'm sure you guys, you've been shooting for a while, you guys are feel the same way. You look at something like this and you're like, okay, it can't get any better than this. Like you look at the the Sony A7S with its low light sensitivity and, you know, that thing had some sort of dark matter in there. And you're (laughs) like, okay, this is as good as it gets. What could be better? And then they come out with this next one. And who knows what 2016, 2017 is going to bring us in terms of new innovations. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the, you know, on the other side of the spectrum with the Micro Four Thirds, with the Panasonic and the Lumix and the 4K and 4K photo and all the stuff that they're pushing over there. There's just all these tangents of innovation that are happening with a few companies that aren't really doing a whole lot. But there's a whole lot of stuff <laughs> that's happening in the industry that keeps us, I mean, keeps us in business and keeps us uh, with fodder to talk about on each each show. Right. So, yeah, exciting stuff. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break. Um, When we come back, we're going to answer a question from one of our listeners. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, We use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers 
us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds. And expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, gents, it is time for some Q&A. This week's question is from Jackie Burnins. Burnins. And Jackie says, recently I attended a couple of concerts and I wanted to bring my camera to take a few photos of the venue crowd and band, not for commercial use. Each venue had slightly different rules about what was allowed, with some noting that the bands themselves might have their own rules. The question is, is there an appropriate camera to take a con to take to a concert as an attendee that would take better photos and give me more control than my iPhone, but not get me kicked out. I know there are cameras with lenses you cannot change, but they zoom. Uh, what's the solution here? I'm happy to abide by the rules, uh, the rules around not selling my images, but it's hard to figure out what the right thing to do is, especially as my budget is not unlimited. Hmm. Craig, what do you, what do you think? Make me go first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You're no, going to go to a concert, get good photos, but not get kicked out. Yeah. The so there's a lot of, a lot of variables at play here. Um, so I would probably go with, uh, one of the smaller micro four thirds cameras, mm -hmm. um, because you, you, they have good low light sensitivity, which is what you really want for a concert. Um, it's, it's, you know, less about having a, a big zoom than it is being able to collect that light because they're always going to be dark environments at concerts. Mm -hmm. And you can get these, you know, small lenses, uh, the pancake lens, there's a 40 millimeter for the micro four thirds, for example, um, that I believe it's a, is it a 2.8 or maybe even faster than that, uh, but it's going to get the light that you need. Um, yeah, it's 2.8. And it's, it's not going to look like a big professional camera. You probably may or may not get kicked out for it. <laughs> You'll be able to get it in the front door. Uh, a lot of them have limits on the, the basically from the back of the body to the front of the lens. It ha and some of them say it has to be less than 6 inches, some less than 8 inches, some less than 4 inches. It varies by venue. Uh, yeah. So with, with these micro four-thirds and the you know small pancake lenses, you, you meet that requirement. And then it's just a, each band, again, some are going to say no photographs um, or no, no cameras besides phone cameras. Uh, so you, yeah. you can't do anything about that. But, uh, you know, I wonder, and Martin, I want to have you jump in next, but I, I wonder 
when you're when you're going to a band or going to a concert and you're getting all gussied up and you're gonna go have a good time at a concert um and and like this this listener's uh question here jackie like why what do you want to do with those photos? I mean, she said she doesn't want to use them for commercial use. Is it specifically to put them on Facebook or Instagram or something like that? And she needs a good show to, a photo to brag to her friends that she went to see Nicki Minaj or whoever, or, you know, are you going to do something else with the photos? Cause when I go to a concert like this, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my iPhone and I'll snap a couple just to say, okay, I remember to remember it, but I'm not trying to get pro level you know, Joseph Lenaski style photos at one, at one of one of these events. If I'm just there as an attendee, I wonder, Martin, what do you think? I mean, is there like, why are you going to, do you think she's going to print these, put them on the wall or, or what, what's the purpose of these photos? I, I don't know. I mean, we, we can only guess, but I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I felt the same way. I was thinking, okay, well, if, if it's not, if you don't want to shoot professionally, but you want good photos. I mean, what's, I, I was thinking, I must admit, what's the point, but you know, <laughs> J- Jackie, Jackie has, you know, she's got a reason for, for asking the question. Um, yeah. so, I mean, I was, I was thinking that it looks as though Jackie's alluding to a guideline that you can't have a camera with interchangeable lenses, at least mm-hmm. for some of the concerts that she's trying to shoot. Yeah. Um, she, or, I mean, Jackie could be a he as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, um, you know the thing is though some some venues they they say yeah you can bring in cameras but it can't be interchangeable lenses which is absolutely stupid rule but you know someone pulls these things out of their orifices and and it uh, it's just you know I don't know how it even makes it into the system but it sounds as though that's what she's alluding to um and or Jackie's alluding to so i i was thinking you know maybe some kind of a point and shoot got you know there's a lot of point point and shoots out there with really long zooms on like from 24 to 300 and things like that but they're generally not that good with low isos you know right. or high isos sorry um so you know you'd really need to t- look around um i think at the end of the day a lot of the the stage lighting for concerts if you are going to be zooming in a little bit the lighting can be quite strong so you know it's you might not need that high an iso um but yeah, again, it really depends on what you want to do with the images. Um, mm-hmm. If if it's just for, like like you were saying, Frederick, if it's just for sticking on Facebook to say that you've been, then the even something just a basic point and shoot with a good one of the the long zoom ones. When you even if it's noisy, when you downsize for the web, a lot of the noise disappears anyway. So it can be grainy as hell when you look at it at hundred percent, but you know take make it a i don't know a couple of thousand pixels uh, or a thousand or twenty whatever pixels long and stick it on facebook no one's going to know the difference no so no. it really does it depends what you want to do with it um yeah so it I, does I we, yeah we we really need we really need a little bit more information on what on what the the goal of the images is for uh to give a really sort of definitive definitive answer. i think i think you could solve some of those long lens issues and low light issues by you know, buying a better ticket and getting closer, <laughs> <laughs> get closer to the stage. Well, she says and there budget, is all problems are solved. Well, it's relative. Martin right? brings up, brought up an interesting point. If you can zoom in, and you know the lighting on the stage is often quite good. Um, you know, they they sell zoom lenses for uh, iPhone 
cameras, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, that you can yeah. stick on the back of it. Uh, that might give you that extra little reach, and an, and an iPhone camera takes, you know, has the low light capability to handle uh, something like that. So that yeah. might be another alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So Jackie, we need to know a little bit more detail. Comment in the uh, on this post with more detail, and uh, we'll see if we can't answer your question a little better. But in the meantime, buy a better ticket. Get closer to the stage. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle on the show, just visit thisweekinphoto.com and click on that submit a question link to send us a question or even leave us a voice message. All right, guys, let's jump into our Picks of the Week segment. Remember, your pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography. Craig, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? All right. So over the summer, I did a uh, a 28-day trip to Europe. And I did not take my laptop with me. I only took my iPad. Um, and I was concerned about how I was going to back up my photos because I like mm-hmm. Martin. I like to have multiple copies. So I did some research and I found this Western Digital My Passport wireless hard drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, I got a two terabyte version. It has an SD slot on the side of it that you plug your SD card in. You push a button and it will suck all the new photos into the drive so it doesn't do the whole card it just does the ones that are it hadn't gotten before incremental right uh it also then has wireless on it so i could then use my ipad to connect to it and browse them and edit them i use snapseed and would post the photos uh, from my ipad uh and they're all there on the the western digital drive both I, i did shoot both raw and jpeg so i could have the JPEG to edit, um, but it, is I had a killer. backup of the RAW as well. And then it, just as a side benefit, because it was wireless, I downloaded, uh, I ripped a bunch of movies before I went onto it because <laughs> I can never have enough movies on my iPad. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I have maybe two or three. So I had, I had 15 movies and uh, my whole family, we could just log onto the wireless and watch movies uh, while we're on the train or on the plane. It just, it stayed in my bag in the overhead bin. And oh, I was able perfect. to watch movies on the flight over. What was the, what's the battery life on that thing? Um, it's, uh, well, so it, it lasted a 14 hour plane flight. Oh, perfect. Uh, um, wow. It was, it was pretty low at that point. So, uh, but it, it, it goes easily, you know, uh, 10, 10 to 20 hours of battery life. Yeah, and you plug it in when you get to your hotel. I'm looking right. on Amazon now. It's on. It's available on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, they've got two versions: a one terabyte and a two terabyte. The one terabyte is 149 bucks. The two terabyte is 186 bucks. I don't see why you wouldn't just get the two terabyte mm-hmm. <laughs> at that at that price. But that's that's pretty amazing. So, Craig, you give it. Uh, sounds like you give it a glowing endorsement. Yeah, absolutely. I. I uh... I'm, I think I'm going to get a second one, so I'll have my multiple backups. Because uh, which one did you get? The one or the two? I terabyte? got the two terabyte. Of course you did. Now, Who am I talking the, to? The, the, the theory was right. I wanted to travel light. I didn't want to lug my laptop around, and that it, it just use my iPad for everything. And that worked great until I left my iPad in an Uber car about uh, three weeks into the trip. But that's a completely different problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome right you saw who used to do that all the time was it uh i think it was trey radcliffe used to leave gear no alex Lindsay. yeah alex Lindsay used to leave oh, and he maybe po- still did yeah the pocket yeah airplane. on the plane yeah. yeah if you're if you're flying always try to be behind alex Lindsay. it's a yeah, trail of riches <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, cool, Craig. That's great. I might uh, might have to have to grab that. It looks like a perfect addition to my camera bag. All right, uh, Martin, what's your pick of the week? And by the way, your pick of the week is the same as my pick of the week. So uh, your pick of the that. week. No, it's awesome. Uh, it's a great product. So you get to tell yeah. folks about it. What is it? Well, before I say that, all I want to say about the digital, uh, you know, Craig's pick there is that I wish it was CF and not SD or they had a CF version. Oh, Um, yeah. Hopefully that's coming um, because that would be useful. I used to use something similar, but that looks great, you know, because it's not dedicated just for photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my, my pick is, uh, you know, remember the, the Astropad, um, that we talked about a few weeks ago and I ended up doing a, a, a pretty in-depth video on it on my, on my, my own podcast. Uh, well, they've, they've released an iPhone version. Um, I know that Doug K, when we spoke about this, he was saying, oh, I asked them why they don't have a, an iPhone version. Well, they do now. Um, and I, I've been testing it. And it works great. You know, it's like it's even easier to carry around now because, I mean, you always have your phone with you. If, if you want to take your iPad, it's an easy item to take with you. But if you are if you're out and about, then just take the all you need to do is to, to get a, the stylus, one of the styluses that works with with I, the Astropad and you're you're great. You know, you're ready to go. So I, I've had a play with it. Works really good. You can just two fingers, pinch and zoom around or move around, select any of the options that, because uh, you're basically just using Photoshop remotely. So if you take the, the toolbar from Photoshop and drop it over the, over this, um, you know, in the, the area that you're looking at on your phone, it, it just, you can do anything that you can do on the computer, but you're writing directly onto the image. So it's like getting a Cintiq for the, for the price of a stylus, uh, and a and you know if you're assuming you've already got an iPhone or an iPad, um, it's just really really good uh, solution. So I'm loving it. I've been I was using it in Namibia, just messing around a little bit. Um, it's great. It's a great tool, and I I couldn't recommend it more. That's cool. That's cool. I'm trying to stop the screen share, but it's not letting me stop the screen share. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Thank you, Google, so, for. Is it uh, sync? It's you said it's it's doing a remote view of your Photoshop. Is it? Yeah. Uh, how how remote is that? Do you have to have your laptop there with you? Is it a local Wi-Fi or is it going through the cloud and you can do it back to your home computer? Oh, you, I I'm not sure if you could do it the other way, but you can definitely. I mean, it's the the way that it's uh, really being sort of recommended to be used is is you're sitting with say a laptop with with the image in front of you on the laptop because you've got to you've got to actually see or be able to manipulate the computer to open your images um okay it's really just like an extension of your you know once you've got your image open then you would fire up astropad and use it uh, you know use it to do the retouching um but yeah i mean it would be a little bit awkward to try and do the rest of it um remotely as well yeah, and you do you awesome. find that better than using like a Wacom pad, a Wacom tablet to to do the editing, or is it just because it's the convenient you have it there with you? I, I think it's a bit of both. the The Wacom, I mean, I'm I've, I'm still using the Intuos Four. Um, the The Wacom is great, but the thing that you don't get on the Wacom is is that you're drawing on a black piece of plastic, and you're always looking at the screen. So the eye hand sort of thing is is always a little bit out, and although you get used to it. I don't think it's ideal, and that's why, of course, Wacom make the Cintiq, where you can you actually have the image on the screen and draw directly on it. 
And it's like that. You you literally, if, if you're looking at something, when you put the stylus on the screen, you're you're putting it exactly where you want to draw. And so you're getting you're getting the instant feedback. And it's fast. I mean, the, the fast, iPhone yeah. Plus is I believe is is sixty frames uh sixty frames per second. So there's and there's virtually no lag. Um so you know, you're literally drawing directly straight over the image. Um just works really, really well. I think it probably works better on an iPhone Plus because it's you've got the bigger screen. That's what I just tested it with. But yeah, it's it's uh, it will work with any iPhone, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, and, it's and it's what, great. What stylus are you using with it? You know what? I'm I'm using the one that the um, that the Adonit team recommend, and it's the Jot Touch with Pixel Point. Um, but you have to have the 2015 version um, because the the older one doesn't work quite as well. And before the the I spoke with the Astropad team as I usually do. You know that I, I jumped in and and grabbed a Wacom. Um, I forget the name of it. A, a different one of the newest Wacom styluses. Yeah, um, I had been looking at that one. Yeah, it, it doesn't work well with with Astropad. And honestly, I think it's Wacom saying, "Okay, well, we're just going to hide a few of the API elements from you because we don't want you to steal our Cintiq sales." Um, it could be that. Um, Maybe. But yeah, I mean, I, I actually, if anyone's interested, um, and we will finally at some point get this in the twip under the twip umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. But I, if you if you go to mbp.ac/slash483, I've actually got a, a pretty in-depth video on the iPad version, um, and it's pretty much the same. There's only a few differences, but the differences make a lot of sense. You know, like you, you the, the thing that I've noticed is that on the iPhone, you can't open or e- there's no button to open the preferences that you to change the shortcuts that you're using but on your computer there's you can do it right there in the little um you know they've made a, a really good change just open it on the computer and they may have even changed it like this on the ipad as well so i'm not sure if it's uh if it's a if they've still got feature parity between the two um but there's a, there's only one thing that i've noticed at this point um and it's actually something that makes a lot of sense anyway so it's it's all good stuff yeah, it's. I think it's an important product for yeah for the industry. It's a yeah. It's it's disruptive, right? So it it uh, it. I'm sure the folks at uh, at Wacom are sitting on the edge of their seats, wondering, okay, what should we do next, and what's up with these guys, and you know, how where did that come from, you know? <laughs> so, which is good. That's that's what Silicon Valley is all about, right? And and you, you know the guys at Astropad, it's just a two man team. They're they're ex Apple employees, um, but they're they're the nicest people. I I actually I actually had a problem with my mail server over the weekend, and Giovanni, one of the two of them, was just like every every half an hour was sending me test. Giovanni, can you send me another test email? And he was sending it, and and I've just found out this morning from Matt, the other guy, that Giovanni was actually off sick over the weekend. So I oh, I was wow. bugging I was bugging him with test requests and. Um, but they're great guys, you know, so, yeah. uh, and that's not, of course, the reason why I'm endorsing the product product that all came after I fell in love with Astropad. Yeah. yeah. And I've met, I've met Giovanni as well in person and, you know, you can see the, the passion of what they're, what they're doing come through. In fact, I recorded a video for TWIP, which will air soon now that this, this product is out, um, of kind of a behind the scenes of them putting together and working on Astropad. And there was this one guy from Japan that kept bugging him while he was trying to work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like if, if I could just get this one line of code in, I'd be, you know, I'd be golden. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I can't. All right. Well, I have my Dutch, uh, my Jot pen on it on its way. Awesome. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah I have one as well. Oh, ordered it while we were talking. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Excellent. Look at that. You'll yeah. We we spent some of your money. You spent some of our yeah, money. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna sign off. Uh, but Craig, what do you have coming up in the in the coming months? Uh, well, let's see. I. Uh, uh, Trey Radcliffe is doing a photo walk in San Francisco to uh, promote his new Peak Design bag and uh, the Arcanum. And I'm uh, going to be there uh, as an Arcanum master. So anyone who is local in the Bay Area uh, wants to come say hi, uh, come see me. There are only there'll be you know 500 people there, but uh, I'll, I'll be the guy with the beard. And uh, <laughs> and then other than that, I have a bunch of shows coming up. Uh, I, uh, in local Palo Alto and in Oakland, uh, both of them on October 15th and, uh, information on my website, anybody interested in coming, uh, meeting me and, uh, taking a look at my photos. Awesome. All right. And speaking of your website, where, where can people go to keep up with you? Uh, Craig Colvin photography.com. Excellent. All, Craig, all thanks. things Craig lead from there. There you go. That's Rome. Thanks man for coming on. Always a pleasure yeah. having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. Yeah. You're welcome. And Mr. Martin Bailey, what about you? Where, uh, what do you got coming up in the coming months? Well, in less than three weeks, I'll be joining my group for this year in Iceland for, uh, for the, my third Iceland tour. Um, and then after that, I've got a few months where I'll be doing a little bit of writing um, and, I'll, uh, and other stuff, of course. And then also just starting to prepare for my winter Japan tours. Um, but I did want to say, I mean, I've, I've actually just set up, uh, we're, we're already taking bookings for 2016 Iceland and we've only got it. We've, the tour's over half full already. So if you, if you're interested in joining us next year, take a look at nbp.ac slash Iceland 2016. Uh, and that's the one Doug K went on. Right? It is. Yeah. Oh, Doug, Doug, Doug was great to travel we, with. We need to go, um, Frederick. I know. It's, it's I know. My, you yeah. know, you, it's on my you know what list. I'm thinking. Uh, Iceland is so on my bucket list. Uh. Yeah, it's an amazing place. We're doing Greenland next year as well. Um, before I go to Iceland, we're doing a Greenland tour, um, and that's going to be pretty amazing. Um, yeah, try to you know, get, the, catch a glimpse of some icebergs before they go away. Well, th- I mean, th- there's icebergs in Iceland, but there's, yeah, they're yeah. just bigger and better in Greenland. Um, yeah. But, of course, you know that the, the, the Vikings, when they named Greenland and Iceland, they did it the wrong way around to confuse people. They got to Iceland and thought, oh, this is great. Look at this. It's really green. So we'll call this Iceland and make everyone go to Greenland, which which sounds great, but it's really just cold. And, you know, but uh, they may have uh, been drinking, you know, those Vikings, right? <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, no, I'm really, really looking forward to both of those next year. So uh, and it'd be great to see any of the listeners if you want to if you want to come along. Excellent. And what again, what's the uh, what's the URL where they can go find out about that? Well, they're, they're both at uh, mbp.ac slash Iceland 2016 and Greenland 2016. And then okay. and you can find them on my website, martinbaileyphotography.com, under the tours link at the top. Um, there's everything that I'm up to is, is all linked in there. And we'll link to them, obviously, from this, this blog post as well. Thank you. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, that brings us up to the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsors for their support, FreshBooks, Squarespace, and Lynda.com. Be sure, listeners, to visit our awesome website over at thisweekinphoto.com to check out all of our shows. I think we're up to nine right now, and hopefully we'll get Martin Bailey's uh, show 
incorporated into the collective very soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to get that going. That's all we me. Need to, we need to wrap that up. Yep, we need to wrap that up, get that going, and uh, start firing on all cylinders there. But with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>